From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Syracuse has been known for the last decade as a city where people can resettle if they're fleeing their home countries because of persecution over religion or race or membership in a social group. The number of refugees coming to Onondaga County has dropped significantly, um, 72% in 2017, after President Trump took office. Still, some 10,000 refugees have made this area their home in the past 10 years, and one of the things they need is medical care. So here to talk about her role in caring for the refugee population is Ayan Mohammed. She's a physician assistant in Upstate's Adult Medicine Clinic, where many refugees receive their care. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Let's begin by uh, talking about the difference between um, a refugee and an immigrant. Some people maybe see those terms as interchangeable, but they mean different things, right? Right. Yep, absolutely. Um, So a refugee, um, really, when we're talking about the word refugee, is somebody who um, has been forced to flee uh, or leave their country for fear of persecution, violence, or war. Um, So they are leaving really out of necessity for safety, rather than just simply better employment or to meet a family member. Um, Their stories are distinctly different, whereas an immigrant may be coming to um, just, you know, meet a family member, um, reunite with a family member, I should say, um, or to um, find better employment. The history of trauma is not as prominent as it is for a refugee. Okay. So do you have a feel for which countries of origin are the most prevalent in this area? So when refugees are resettled, they usually are in waves of kind of what countries are most at need, depending on whatever, uh, what the climate is currently with uh, wars in different um, different countries that we may have going on. So currently, we're all familiar with the crisis happening in Syria. Um, so we may see that um, more prevalent now. But um, I would say in our practice, I mean, we see, uh, you know, ton from Democratic Republic of Congo, Somalia. Um, uh, we see a lot of, you know, uh, Bhutanese and, and Nepal. Um, so it comes in waves, um, and it really depends on, you know, what countries are most hit with uh, the, the war. All right. I noticed um, that you're a graduate of the Lemoyne College PA program, um, and that you also speak Somali yourself. Yes. Um, can you talk about your background and what drew you into the medical field and then why you have, it seems like a passion for refugee health? Yeah. How did that all come about? Um, so I, uh, actually my dad is in the medical field. Um, so growing up um, way back in Somalia, he's actually a dermatologist and has had, has his own clinic there. And so growing up, I was sort of familiar with the with the medical field. Um, and then I think just watching, you know, someone like my mother who had always just helped people um, in everything that she did, um, you know, being a community member um, and really helping refugees. When, when we came here, I just was always intrigued. Uh, and I know it sounds cliche to help people, but that was really what drew me. Um, and medicine, I think, is just an interesting field because you really um, get to meet people, I think, in their most vulnerable state and can really help them. And they really rely on you, especially the refugee population. I think, you know, they've had so much trauma that has been inflicted on them and that they felt um, that it's really, I think, I can, I feel I can make a difference because one, I've experienced, you know, uh, their story and, and understand what they may have gone through and to be able to speak the, the language that they speak. Um, for those that are Somali, it, it's just a, 
Uh, That's got to be a huge help and, yeah. and really a reassurance for absolutely. the patient. Absolutely, yeah. So it definitely helps. So when I see Somali patients not being able to use an interpreter or not needing to use an interpreter because I can speak the language, it just makes it much more comfortable for them and, and easier. So absolutely. Can you explain the process of resettlement for refugees? I mean, um, is there there's advance notice? Do they know ahead of time uh, where they're going to be coming how does that work? Yeah, so um, when so for refugees, it's a really long process, and so it involves different agencies. And so um, it initially starts out with the United uh, Nations for um, Higher Commission of Refugees that really um, chooses refugees, I guess, if you may say. Um, and so they will actually refer refugees that need resettlement, depending on the, the climate. Um, and then the process begins, um, and there's a screening process. They go through multiple interviews. There's different agencies that are involved. They do background checks. Um, so this process really is all done abroad and can take, you know, about two years or, or more to really complete. Um, and the final end of it for us that we really focus on is the medical screening that they do prior to arrival. So this is usually done with within six months of them arriving here. And this is, you know, screening for tuberculosis is done. We find out about any, um, you know, parasite treatments they may have received, vaccinations that they need prior to coming here, um, and then get a sense of kind of, you know, if there's any nutritional deficiencies, um, any diseases, chronic diseases that they may have that need to be managed, medications they're on. Um, and we have access to this through the CDC where we can look this information up. So when they come, we're really prepared for them. When you mentioned that this is a lengthy process and that it may be in the works for up to a couple of years, yes. are the refugees in a protected status somehow um, or not necessarily? Not necessarily. So they may be in refugee camps while they're waiting for this to, to all occur. Um, I mean, my family and I were, that process took for us about two to three years um, from wow. leaving Somalia to being able to come to the United States. Um, so they may be in refugee camps, they may be in a host country that they're at. Um, so, for example, I have some patients from Syria that may have spent four years or so in Jordan, and then they come to the United States. Um, so it's different for everybody. Well, let's talk about um, what happens once they're here in Syracuse. Absolutely. What is that welcome like, and what are sort of the challenges that really face these new 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 people. Yes. So there are two agencies that we have here that are really vital for um, refugee resettlement. So every refugee that comes is linked with, um, uh, you know, case management, and so that could be through. Um, Catholic Charities or through Interfaith Works. And so they have these case managers that really are vital, especially during the first few months in helping them to um, go to their medical appointments, to set up trans transportation, housing, all of those things for them. Um, and then once, for us, really the goal is that we try to get them into uh, seeing a medical provider, have their initial medical screening within 90 days of arrival. Often we can get that done much quicker, really, because we have such a close relationship with the um, resettlement agencies here in Syracuse. Um, and so we try to do that initial screening through them. And so New York State actually has um, paperwork that we complete. And so it's a full physical examination, blood work that we do, vaccinations that we provide. And then we get them established and have an established care visit where they will meet, you know, our, our primary care and further discuss kind of the um, the things that we have noted on the initial screening. 
Is there insurance coverage, health insurance coverage? There is. When they initially come, they um, all will receive insurance, um, but then this will get uh, transitioned, um, usually after the first month of arrival, to a managed Medicaid that they will get. Um, And so that is really critical because that is necessary for them to be able to see a lot of the specialty visits that we may um, refer them to, so orthopedics or um, any of our other uh, specialties that we need. Do you encounter... um people who are frightened of medical providers? This is a new country and a new experience. Right, yeah. So the experiences, I would say, vary uh, depending on, you know, who you may uh, meet. And so for some, it can be, you know, they may have never even had a consistent primary care provider or just knowing the idea of primary care um, or that we screen for things or that we have health maintenance. um, And so it's just a really just a you know getting them used to the American healthcare system and there are often yeah times where maybe they've had bad experiences or um, you know not really ones that have been enjoyable and so coming here they may have certain fears or not understand certain things and um, just explaining to them really that as patients they have rights here there are things that we can do to assist them and so I think those fears kind of it take may take some time but I think during the first couple of visits you can really kind of break down some of those um, you know, barriers that they may have or um, uh, worries that they are having. And you already mentioned language. Yes. Um, how do you communicate with someone who doesn't speak either of your, you, you speak English and Somali? Yes, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, Upstate has been really amazing, I think, and uh, providing us really uh, translation services. Um, and so we have interpreter services that are available. So in our clinic, we have iPads, so we can use video interpreters. We can have phone calls where we actually, um, the interpreter can be audio. We can even get somebody live in person um, who's there. Um, so there's many different avenues that can be utilized. Um, and so translation is really Um, interpretation, I should say, is really not an issue. Um, And then for the ones that are fortunate enough to be able to speak Somali, it just is much easier. But yeah, we can use interpreter services and they're very available to us. Well, what are some of the medical issues that are typical among refugees? Are there things that are common from different, even from different countries or... So uh, there may be certain, you know, risk factors just depending on, um, you know, where they're coming from and things that they may be more um, more at risk for or certain things that they may have been exposed to given, uh, you know, certain things that may be endemic in their area that they're coming from. So obviously we have to be aware of those things when they first come in, when we're thinking about, you know, risk factors that they have for certain diseases and things. Um, but I would say once they really get here, um, that we see the same conditions with refugees and non-refugee patients in internal medicine, adult medicine. Really, it's it's treating chronic diseases, and so we see diabetes, we see high blood pressure. Um, all of those things are are common, I would say, in in the refugee population. There are just certain risk factors that may vary that you have to mm. be aware of, especially in the first few months of them uh, getting here. And some of these conditions maybe haven't been treated. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So we get a little bit of a hint from that um, initial uh, screening that I was talking about that is done abroad. Um, But there may be things that have have been missed or maybe not treated as it should be or um, addressed. Um, Certainly, I would say, um, you know, health screening, um, like for maybe cervical cancer, all of those things. um, I haven't seen those really done as prevalently. And so coming here, it's kind of very new to our refugee patients explaining what those, you know, screening uh, tools are that we use. 
the screening tools. And then I think you mentioned vaccinations. There's yep. probably if you come from another country, you haven't had the vaccines that are recommended in America. So they have. Um, it may just not be in the time. So there's, they may have to catch up on certain vaccinations that they've missed. Um, but there are some that they will get, um, especially if they're in certain, like, you know, refugee camps and there may have been a recent outbreak or something of, of measles, they will get that vaccination prior to arriving here, things like that. Um, but they do get some vaccinations, yes. Um, but they may just, they may have started some and have not completed it. So we have to just complete it for them when, once they arrive here. Um, what about psychological trauma? Is that an issue with people who are coming here, not necessarily because they want to leave their home country, but as a refugee? Does that come up a lot? Yes, yes, that definitely comes up a lot. And it's uh, very common, obviously, from individuals who have faced trauma like like refugees have. And so in our first visit with them, really, we screen for, um, you know, symptoms of depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder by, you know, asking them certain questions, doing questionnaires. Um, and we try to tell them, you know, this is, this is very common. It's nothing to fear. It can be something that can be, you know, treated and, and managed. Um, um, so, yeah, we have to definitely be aware of that and, and, and watch out for that because that definitely is, is prevalent, I would say. Once um, uh, people settle in into the community, do they stay a patient of yours or do they end up, you know, transitioning to maybe a family practice provider or someone else? So once they establish, uh, they can continue to see us um, for their primary care. Oftentimes what will happen, though, is that the individuals that are young and healthy and can find work um, will no longer really need to see us as often as they do. And so we may not see them as frequently as we may see other patients that um, require um, chronic you know, disease management. Um, and some will often move to different country, uh, different uh, states, sorry, to find maybe better employment or be reunited with other family members that may be um, in other, um, other states. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. It's kind of an interesting line of work that you have found yourself into. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my guest has been Ayan Muhammad. She's a physician assistant from Upstate's Adult Medicine Clinic. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show. HealthLink on air.